Listen up or run for cover. Dropping knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. The, the real Robin Bradley Bombs. is dropping. Brad Lee back again with another episode of Dropping Bombs. Today in the studio, kids, do I got a real treat for you. Andrew Cordell. What's up, buddy? What's up, brother? Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Now, if you guys don't know who Andrew Cordell is, that's because he's one of those dudes that were behind the scenes. Yep. Running around helping a major multi-conglomerate train people. Mm Mm-hmm. And you made millions doing so. Oh, yeah. Millions and millions. Millions of dollars doing so. Hundred million in like a year's time. You, you, you two years. Liter- two years. Yeah. So at the end of the day, man, he's a he's a entrepreneur, speaker, trainer, subject matter expert. What do you want to call it? He's an experienced individual. Yeah, we'll go with that. In the game of entrepreneurialism, because you taught people how to build wealth. Yeah, it was really about entrepreneurs taking those entrepreneurs that were just starting out, wanted to start out, um. And, and basically try to refocus them on what they really should be focused on, yeah. which I always go back to is you got to be focused on money. You have to understand how money works, how it operates. And until you understand how the game of money is being played, you're, always, you're kind of on the wrong field, not even playing the right game. You know, you're chasing the wrong target, if you will. So I try to help them have that authentic conversation about money, get in their head and then understand how it works, how it operates. We go deep into money movement. You know, money's, money's got a flow. And uh, we talked about this earlier in the green room, talk about how, Money sits, and so many entrepreneurs get that little bit of money, and they hold on to it. And when you hold on to it, dude, it doesn't go anywhere. You got to move it and constantly make it make that money grow. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 30, uh, 36. And where'd you grow up? Uh, Atlanta, Georgia is where I spent most of my time, and then uh, just recently moved to Florida. But you were born in Atlanta. Yeah, born in Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta? Atlanta, raised there too. Where? Uh, Savannah so I, or actually Atlanta? Just outside of Atlanta. So I was actually born in a little town called Rome, Georgia. Was it a Bible Belt? Yeah, yeah. We grew up uh, Bible Belt, heavy Christian. Went to uh, uh, church my whole life. Yeah. Did your Did your family have loot? No, no, man. My, my mom and dad were school teachers, and uh, I think that's why I'm so passionate about working with entrepreneurs on money. You know, money if you don't have it is one of those like almost negative connotations and it has that little bit of, especially like you tell you in the bible belt where they start pounding you in the you know money's the uh, root of all evil right mm-hmm. and money becomes this negative thing in your life where you don't even want to acknowledge it or talk about it you kind of want it but you don't understand it and you there's no one around that you can talk to that even understands how it works so you just kind of forced to do what anybody else tells you and you end up getting advice from people that have no money telling you how to go do money when they're completely broke you know so so, so when did you move out the house uh, well, I went to college at 18 and I started my first little business there. I got my first little job there at a UPS and, uh, dude, that was, you know, that was probably where it first hit me at that this is going to suck if I got to spend the rest of my life throwing boxes and I had to pay my way through college. And, and so I had it went classes during the morning and then worked in the evenings at UPS and it took me just a little bit of time to realize that was a dead end did road. You, did you make through at college? No, no. I, I, yeah, I graduated college. Yes. Okay. I graduated With college. What? Bachelor's? Uh, bachelor's degree. Yeah. In yeah. Uh, education. How long did that take you? Four years. I did it in four years. Four years. Yeah, yeah. Did you meet a lot of people? Yeah, I made a lot of friends and so forth. And meet your wife there? Uh, yeah, I met my uh, wife or ex-wife at this point. God rest yeah. her soul. Yeah. Love you, honey. 
I'm just and, joking. We're divorced. And, and it's then, not true. Yeah, and then when you, and you're not divorced. <laughs> no, we are divorced right now. Oh, and then and then when you got out of college, you were you worked at UPS or no? I worked at UPS during college. Through college. Yeah, yeah. I worked at UPS during college. It was my freshman year. Now, now what? Then I you're quit. Out. I quit. I quit my freshman year when started a business. You started the business. Oh, when I was in, a freshman in college. Yeah. Okay, so you started a business. Yeah, it was just, all I did was, was started a window cleaning business. Window cleaning. That's where I got my start, dude. Was window cleaning. What made you want to get a uh, start a company rather than work for someone else? Well, you know, when I got the job at UPS, it was my first real job, and I thought, my God, if I have to do what this person says every day of my life, you know, be here, say this, do this, move here, ask, can I go to the restroom for a break? You know, what time can I eat? Dude, my my body doesn't work that way. And you said you said shit, shit, boy. I ain't doing that. That's a that's a, ain't no way, man. <laughs> no one needs to tell me what to do all day. <laughs> I'm 18, and I, I couldn't take that. That, so. that would make you unemployable. Yeah, I was. I'm officially 100 percent unemployable. I'm, I'm a horrible employee. There's a lot of people out there like that. I was like that. Yeah. Maybe that is the key of entrepreneurialism, or or the entrepreneurial spirit that we just discovered. Like you have to hate being told what to do. Yeah, to, I mean, I think, to be successful. Why? I don't know. I, I haven't failed. So at the end of the day, it's like, dude, is that the key? Because that's your key. You haven't failed. All the people I know, that is that is true about all of them, I think. So maybe that's the key. You have to just not want to be told what to do. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's definitely some truth there in the sense of, I always say that part of being an entrepreneur, you are you are kind of born with it. Uh, you know, I grew up in a family of four. Some of them are not entrepreneurs and have no desire to be. And I'm the I'm the one that's like my God I I gotta go other side you know, so I think there's a lot of it that you're kind of born with at least certain qualities like not wanting to be told what to do that you're just kind of born with and it it grows into entrepreneurs where it hits you know when you yeah. hit that college age or so forth it start, starts to come out. Okay, so you're in college. I mean, you're out of college. You get a job. You start a company. Now you're washing windows. No, no. So what happened was I, I built this company in college to uh, uh, about a half a million dollars a year of window cleaning while I'm in college. Mm. So I'm in college. I got a bunch of dorm, dorm guys working for me, and uh, they're all working, cleaning windows for me. Uh, when I go to leave college, I split that thing, sell it three different ways, and sell off the window cleaning company when I leave college. I take that money and jump into real estate. So that's how I kind of got my start into real estate was I used when I used the how much was that money? seed capital. So I sold it for about 300 grand when I left. <coughs> Good chunk of change. Yeah. You're 21, 22 years old, and you sell it. Built while going to college? Yeah. In my dorm room. Literally ran the whole thing in my dorm room. So you were entrepreneurial. Off a little Blackberry, if you remember those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're coming back, I hear. I hear they are. I don't know. It's hard to get away from the iPhone, though. So any problems that you faced back then? No, not so much then. I mean, that, that was those were all easy girls, pretty days. Did you, did you get a bunch of girls in college? Yeah, I was known to have my... Were you playing sports? Uh, No. I played sports through high school, <coughs> so and then really just, got you cut. You were studying. Yeah, you could call it that, I guess. Okay. You just go to parties? Yeah, you could call it that. And so then you graduated. You, you as you graduated, you sold it for three hundred yeah. grand. You took Sell that three hundred grand, and now you're going to go plop it into real estate. Go to real estate. What kind of was your first property? I did fix and flip. So I've, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them now. So that's where you buy it cheap because it looks like shit. Throw yep. a little money in it, and then sell it because it looks pretty now. That's what I did. Bought my first house down in uh, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, for about a quarter of a million dollars. Little old tax deed with house. your three hundred. Yep, yep, and uh, and then put the money into rehab it, and then flipped the property over and sold it, and um, uh, sold it in that like it, it only took me like ninety days to my first deal, which I say now was complete luck. I mean, yeah. look, I teach people in real estate all the time. It, that was probably a lot of luck into that right there, because most people don't do that great in their first deal because there's so many moving parts to it. And I don't know if it was beginner's luck or what, but once I did that first deal, 
just your normal business entrepreneur mind says, well, hell, how do I multiply that? How do I take that one? If I do one, why can't I do 10 at the same time? It's the same kind of concept. And so then I just built it out. And so we started doing more and more and more from 2004-ish to about 2008. We ran there and did, you know, 75, 80 houses a year that we were getting into. Built a company and then 08 crashed it. And 08, you know, I had no clue about the market, no clue about what I would even say, no clue exactly. about real life business. All I knew was buy a house, fix it up, sell it, I'll make money. Yeah. And uh, of course, like every, not maybe not everybody, but like most people that don't come from money, don't understand money. Uh, dude, as much as I was making, I was spending it, you know, at 22, 23, 24 years old, as good as I was making it, you know. My first house I bought, it was funny, at my first house I was married with no kids and uh, we bought a, uh, a 10 bedroom, 12 bath uh, house. A five car garage when I was like 20, maybe 22 years old. And I feel like I had to have it because it's almost like that's how I associated that I had arrived if I had that house. You know what I mean? Like we grew up in small rental homes as a kid. So if I had that house, that's all I really knew about it, you know, so, or about money. And uh, so I bought the house and uh, then 2008 hit. And I thought it would never really change. I just thought I would always just flip houses and make a lot of money. And then the market crashed. And when it crashed, dude, it got turned off quick. And uh, ended up losing everything, man. I lost all my, my houses. My, my company got shut down and let everybody go. Wife leaves me during that time, go through divorce, mm. and end up moving hold back. Hold on, in. hold on. Yeah, yeah, here we get she, the good shit. She, le she left you because all the money was gone? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> did you did you have money when you met her? Uh, I was in biz. I was starting up. That's when I had the. I just sold the window, window washing company. How long were you married? Uh, so we were married there for ballpark, I don't know. Four, three, three to four years there, probably. So in the beginning, it was hee hee ha. And then you had a little money. Then you lost it all. Then I, well, I got a lot of money. Then I lost it all. Yeah. And then so she said, "See ya," because you lost it all. In your opinion, it was definitely a huge factor. That's for sure. So, I must say it was the only thing, but it was for sure. Were you saying, "Hey, hey, 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 give me a chance. I'll get it all back." Oh, dude, I, I went through, I went through. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. You talk about the Bible Belt. I grew up in a Christian home, so divorce was like a horrible, horrible concept. Sure. Like it was like a massive failure. And uh, so, dude, I, I went all the way back trying to fight for the marriage. Went through all, you know, I took months trying to convince her, convince her, win her back, basically. Sure. And uh, haven't we all? Yeah. And uh, I chased that for. <laughs> she was from California, so I even flew to California and met with her family and met with her pastor and did all kinds of stuff trying to win her back. But at the end of the day, it was it was obviously for the better. So, uh, but yeah, we went, especially we if you're religious, and it all for a reason. Yeah, it's all for. Then uh, you have a plan? reason. A bigger plan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, so it worked it out, is bro. what it is. It, it worked out fine. <laughs> yeah. Man. Float on down the road. Yeah. We got a plan for you, son. Yeah. We're, we're, we're breaking y'all up. Yeah. You go that way, you go that way. For yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. That's that's probably worked out, didn't it? Yeah, dude. I mean, it's a but big thing. But you're not thing. married it's, now? No, I'm not married now. And um, But dude, that's a big thing. It was like- Are you against marriage now? No. No, not at all. Not at all. It's just, uh, I think now it's like, you know, looking at marriage now, it's like, you. I want to make sure- I want to get married and stay married. You know what I mean? Like I don't. It's hey, a huge thing. Like hey, like now that you've already been divorced, though, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Now you just if I'm gonna do that, I might as well just date yeah, and what's not get the married. Worst thing then. that can happen. Divorce. Well, half half of all my income that that sucks. You know that you know that out of all divorces, the reason for them, the number one reason, yeah, finances, marriage. <laughs> marriage is is the number one reason for divorce. But yeah, if you must get married, why would you want the state involved? Yeah. So you can go into a church, get married, yep. fill out your certificate, sure. everybody attends, and yep. then tear up, tear up your certificate. Yeah. Because the state doesn't need to acknowledge it. If the church does, correct? Right. 
And that's the whole purpose of it, right? Right. So why I, not just start having spiritual ceremonies? Yeah, people which, do. Well, don't turn the damn thing into the state. <laughs> yeah. That's where people go wrong. Like, you want to get married? Get married in the <laughs> eyes of the Lord. Right? But the state doesn't need to know. Yeah. Like, just tear up the old certificate and say, we celebrated our love. We didn't actually get married. But see, people want to file it with the state so they get tax advantages. That's a tax relief, right? Yeah. That's why That's why they get tax advantages. So you. that's why you do it. But it's like, dude, don't don't get suckered by the tax advantages. <laughs> okay? If, 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 like, to me, if someone said, Brad, just give me advice. I don't always follow the advice. Sure. Like, for example, uh, should you drink alcohol? No, you should not. But? At all? No. For any reason? Nope. You should not ever drink alcohol. That's my advice. Why? Because that's the best advice I know. And the answer is no, you shouldn't. Period. Do I? Yes. <laughs> Would I recommend let's go get a shot of tequila right now? Sure. Sure. Like I, dude, I, you know, but at the end of the day, the advice is don't. Right. So I don't always take my own advice, you know. Right. So if you ever hear me give some, don't expect that, that I'm actually yeah. doing it. That's what's great about you. You're authentic, bro. Well, it's just whatever. It's true. I don't want to come across like I'm preaching when I'm not. I'm just saying the facts. Yeah, this is the advice. Try to follow it. Yeah. Like the other day, we were talking about a whole uh, divorce situation. I said that 815, if you miss the 815, the 830 is coming around the corner. I got a whole bunch of shit for that. Right. It's like, it's true. Like every every time I, I like my last girl and the girl before that, they were always the best one ever. Right. And when we broke up, I thought, oh, I'll never get another good one. Right. And and the one I'm with now, I think is the best one ever. Like I thought that about the last one. <laughs> so so if, if for some reason me and her broke up, wouldn't there be another one? And when they're there, At nine they're gonna they're gonna be the best one ever too. Yeah. In other words, don't worry about it, man. Yeah, I know. Go through life and enjoy life is my opinion. I don't I don't think people should necessarily get married. So I am married. I believe in marriage. But if you ask me my advice, I say <laughs> don't get married. Okay, don't get married. Or at least yeah. don't file it with the state. Yeah. Like all you're saying by doing that is if something goes wrong, let's get the state involved. <laughs> no, the state don't need to be involved. If something goes wrong, we'll we'll figure it out. I'm a nice guy, you're a nice person, let's go. Anyway. So, so you got a divorce, and yeah. then, and then, yeah, so you, then it, you, you, you lost everything. Yeah, I lost 2008. everything. 2008. Yeah. How'd you get it back? Uh, you know, I think you go through your, your sulky pity party. You know, you talk to anybody in 2008 that lost. Everybody has that like big six month pity party. I went through that, went through it too. And then as an entrepreneur, you just got to move on with life, dude. Like, you got to, you got to keep up, pick up and go on. I've been forgetting the fact that that's it. Yeah, dude, you just got to move on, bro. You got one life to live. You know, I was, I was shooting some videos yesterday with, with G. Dude, I'm 36. Like, theoretically, I'm I'm halfway over with this one life. You know what I mean? So who Cheers. cares? Well, then I'm three quarters, son. I mean, slow down, partner. Uh, yeah. My okay, point you is ain't like even halfway. It, well, okay? it's 70. I got underwear older than you. You're 70. You're halfway. So my point is like, dude, you got you got to move on, man. You got one life. Who cares if you, you know? I see entrepreneurs all the time. They get so caught up on they try something and they failed. And it just like eats at them forever. Like, That's like, true. oh my God, I lost. I can't believe like, I, you know, I, I invested $20,000 in this franchise, a, a UPS store and I lost everything, whatever it is. Like, dude, who cares? Move on. And I think, it's, I think it's one of the great qualities that makes entrepreneurs is when, when I talk to people that are pure entrepreneurs and people that are not pure entrepreneurs have the ability to like, it just like, well, shit. Okay. Let's move. Let's go to the next thing until that thing finally hits. You know what I mean? Like you just keep doing stuff and doing stuff until finally it's like, 
boom, you hit your you hit your vein that you're running through. You know. Hey, I've tried a hundred businesses before. Yeah. And you can't look at them as failures. You look at them as all stepping stones. You know what I mean? Like all those businesses that I did and, and went through, dude, I tried them, learned from it, failed from it, whatever it is, and until I got to where I wanted to be. I started a business one time where you walk in, you show someone a pan of fire, and then you open up this little bottle and you go like this and the fire goes out. Well, it was called Halon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, shit, dude, like that's the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Everybody would want that. Yeah. And then you could squirt this liquid on a, on a tree or a piece of paper and it wouldn't burn. Right. So I'm like, why don't they put this on all the Christmas trees <laughs> and all the curtains and houses? Yeah. So I, I, I invented Armor Shield, and I bottled it, and I went around, and I did pretty good. Yeah. But I just didn't do very good, and I and I didn't feel very good. Right. In other words, like, I didn't do enough to keep going. Yeah. Obviously. But it was called Armor Shield. That was just one. I think you'll find with entrepreneurs, we all have those stories. You know what I mean? When you find the entrepreneur that didn't come for money, didn't have education through it. What was yours? What's your story? Uh, of businesses? No, like what, what's your failed business? Um, I'll give you another one. I went around one time, got these things called Magic Money Fun Packs. I literally went into the restaurant and said, I need you to give me a free burger. They, they're accustomed to those coupon books where buy one, get one. Yeah. And everybody would do buy one, get one. And I said, no, 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 not buy one, get one. Give me a hamburger or whatever. And they're going to come in with this and you give them the hamburger. And then right. you said, you want fries and Coke and all this other stuff. So I talked about 1,500 businesses into giving me a free thing. Dog wash, <laughs> nails, oil change, milkshakes. Right. All kinds of crap. There was $2,200 worth of crap in this in this book where if you left your house with $0 in your pocket, there's $2,200 worth of shit. Now, no money. Will you go get a hamburger and a milkshake <laughs> and haircut, everything. Yeah. Nobody would buy the son of a bitches. I bring them to the swap meet. I'm thinking, man, all I got to do is let people see this. It's crazy. I bring them to the swap meet. I, I rent the little booth for three days. I, first day, I put up a big old sign, man, magic money. Come get them. I tried to sell them all day long. Me, one of the best salesmen on earth. Can't move them. Yeah. I'm trying to give them away now. I'm like, dude, five bucks? Five bucks? <laughs> They're like $2 to print. These are $2,200. No five bucks? No five bucks? People are like, no, 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 thank you. No, yeah. thank you. I'm like, son of a bitch. Now, this is like Friday and Saturday. Well, I still had Sunday. So I'm like, I'm pissed. I'm like looking around this swap meet place, and I'm like, dude, everybody here, all this is, is a bunch of garbage. I got $2,200 worth of free, real, kick-ass shit. I can't sell this. <laughs> can't stupid. give it away. Everybody wants garbage. Yeah. So when I went home that day, my garage happened to be semi hoarderish from my ex. Okay. Okay. Cause I don't do hoarders. Yeah. I, I okay. can't stand it. Right. So, so she kind of was hoardery. So I, I look in the garage and guess what was in there? A bunch of shit, a bunch of garbage, uh, broken answering machines, <laughs> you know, weights that had the cement. Yeah. The cement. The crack yeah. And just a bunch of <laughs> garbage, one, tennis yeah. rackets with no strings. It was half a golf set. Dude, it was garbage. And there yeah. was an old bassinet from the child. And so I'm like, Hey, Let's bring all that shit down to the swap <laughs> to the meet. Swap meet. Yeah, we priced it all, brought it down to the swap meet. I bought, I bought um, a bunch of these little Easter eggs. Okay. To put in a champagne glass, wrap them in cellophane. Yeah. And we made about fifty of those. Put Gosh. three dollars on them. Put them in the bassinet with a stuffed rabbit, with a sign that said "Happy Easter." Three dollars, and there was again little plastic champagne with cellophane and a couple of stupid eggs. All the crap that was in the garage, garbage. All priced, okay? Sold out. 
of all your crap. In one day, dude, yeah. we sold out. We sold the rabbit. We sold the bassinet. <laughs> we sold every flute for $3. We sold the broken weights. We sold the answer machine that didn't work. It was crazy. Like, they came up, how much for the answer machine? I said, it doesn't work. <laughs> and he said, I'll give you 15 then. And I said, it doesn't work. It, you didn't and, hear me, it doesn't work. Yeah, and he said, well, then I'll give you 15 bucks for it. I said, all right. He takes he takes a broken answer machine. I'm selling <laughs> I'm selling a twenty two hundred dollar book of shit right here. He won't buy that, but he'll buy the broken answer machine for fifteen bucks. That's yeah. when I realized, dude, people want fucking garbage. Like, yeah, like dude, you don't you don't know a good deal when it hits you in the face sometimes. Why? Because we're getting hit in the face all day with offer after oh, the advertising. Offer. Yeah, so when the good one comes along, people can't recognize it. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, the advertising. I was reading some articles that says how many times. Like a millennial will get uh, hit with advertising. It's mm. mind blowing how fast our minds now process uh, advertising that we hit because we, you know, they, they grow up with from the time they're a kid seeing how much advertising is going through, and they process it and move on as quick as humanly possible. The other, the other avenue there is is uh, learning how to create. This is one of the things I learned going through entrepreneurship is learning how to create perceived value. You know what? What we what I may think is value. Like I did some stuff where I was like a dollar a day coaching when I when I when I got you know past real estate. I'm like, dude, I'll show you guys how to how to go do real estate. I've done thousand deals. I'll show you guys how to go do real estate, and it's going to cost a dollar a day. And I thought, dude, this is going to blow up. I mean, this is going to go massive. Who wouldn't pay a dollar a day to go learn from someone who actually does deals? Dude, I didn't sell hardly any of them. You know what I mean? It was like, but then I can turn around and sell a fifty thousand dollar course, which is almost like the exact same thing, and they'll pay the fifty thousand. Sometimes it's just the perceived value of understanding what the customer sees versus what we see, you know, on the sales side of it. Hmm. See? There's a bomb dizzle. That's right a bomb. There. Yeah. So so now you started your own deal because that company that was paying you to speak, they're 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 yeah. retired, they sold it or whatever. Yeah. You know. All I know is now you said, screw this, I'm gonna start my own. Now you got money is. What's that? Yeah, dude. So, like I said, before that, go back to where you just left off at. Dude, I, I traveled the world and uh, spoke on the stages with everybody and uh, spent about three, three and a half years doing that of, of the sales training, uh, platform sales. And uh, just recently left, just from the standpoint of it's like, once you understand how it works, you know, they were providing me speaking opportunities and I would speak on stages of 10,000 plus people. But, you know, Again, you had that entrepreneurial bug that you cannot get rid of, no matter how much. I mean, I was I was still a contractor there. So they didn't, they couldn't tell me everything to go do. But there's still that I'm working for someone else. It's not it's not my own gig. And even though, dude, I was making crazy crazy money, in the back of my head, it just keeps burning. Like, dude, I gotta I can do this. Why am I Why am I over there? Like, yes, I'm making all these millions, but if I owned it, I'd make ten times that amount of money, which is unique because most people, if you were paying someone as a contractor with no overhead, you're paying them $3 million a year to talk. Dude, nobody would probably leave that job. But as an entrepreneur, you can't control always. Like you're like, dude, I got to go do this myself. And it hit. And so I, I, I buried it as long as I could until I couldn't take it anymore. And then uh, I left and started my own thing. And money is, it's just a brand. And I, really was, as I was speaking, you learn from entrepreneurs that entrepreneurs, again, struggle with, I think, they hyper focus on their on their business versus understanding um, how money works and and why they're actually doing that business. And it's almost like because when you grow up in a poor family and money kind of a taboo topic, you never get to learn it. And so you you want to pursue it. You want you want the money, 
but you're afraid to say it. You're afraid to freaking say, dude, I'm, I'm in the business to make money. And they had this kind of like- Because they're ashamed? I don't, you know, I think a little bit of it is about fear because they don't understand how it works. But, let's, like, go, but let's go back to your house when you were a child. Yeah. If you brought up money, what would your parents tell you? Dude, it wasn't even a topic to bring up. Matter of fact, the only thing that you really remember, and I've talked to a ton of people on my show about this, the only thing that a lot of people remember if they grew up in a poor family is parents arguing about money. There's, there's not even like a good memory of how about money or how it works or operates or what are you supposed to go do. So what happens is naturally it's just like, you know, kind of a bad thing. You don't understand it, but you know you got it. You know you want it, but but then you start questioning, am I bad because I want money? Like, am I chasing the wrong thing here? And uh, and then what happens is you just follow the line of everybody else. And so you just, whatever whatever someone else did, your your family did with money and how they, how they invested in a 401k or mutual funds, you just kind of follow that same advice, which is crazy because you're now getting advice, financial advice from a broke person. It, it's, it's, it's astronomical. There's a stat that just came out recently uh, last end of last year that said in a 401k, uh, uh, it was the biggest growth that we've had for millionaires in a 401k. And if you took all the millionaires that have a uh, million dollars, at least $1 million in a 401k, it's 0.02% of the country. Yet that's the path that everybody tries to go play. Hmm. Yet truth be told, only 0.02% of people actually get a million dollars in their 401ks. But we all just keep following that same line because that's what we were told to go do. So what should someone do? Dude, it's just understanding how the game is played. So I always talk about when it comes to money, you have to learn how to create it, keep it, and protect it. If you follow wealthy people and, and, and study what they do, right? Wealthy people do always do three things with money. They create it. They, they have a business. You have light speed, right? That light speed creates money, right? It's always producing income, income, income. It's not relied upon you having to go do it. It's just always is something, whatever that is that you have, it has to create the income for you. Once you've mastered the art of how to create the money, now it goes to how to keep it. And by keeping it, I don't just mean like managing it and understand how to manage money. It's understanding how the wealthy play the game of money. And if you ever notice, like you, you, like if I said right now, I do this in class all the time as an exercise. I'll say, look, how many of you ever heard stories of wealthy people that have made millions and millions of dollars but pay nothing in taxes? And everybody, everybody's heard the stories before and actually can name names, truth be told. But then if I turn around and say, okay, but how did that happen? Show me, show, tell me what vehicle they use. Tell me how they actually went and structured that deal right there. Go ahead, tell me about it. No one knows how it actually, they know what happens, but they have no idea how it happens. And then what my point to is entrepreneurs, until you understand the game of money, all you did was shift from a job, living uh, uh, paycheck by paycheck, if you will, on, on a hamster wheel into this entrepreneurship, which is the same thing. And now your goal becomes, I'm going to go get this LLC, I'm going to run this business, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find how to spend all my money in quote-unquote deductions. So at the end of the year, my tax guy tells me that I'm negative money again, so I don't have to pay taxes. And now you're five years into your entrepreneurship, and you're freaking still paycheck by paycheck. Because the taxes at the end of the year, don't freaking lie, bro. You can't, the, the taxes are the taxes. And if your tax return shows that you're negative $33,000, you can sit here and tell me how much money you have until you're blue in the face. But when you pull the tax returns, you go to that bank, that bank says that you're broke. That, that, that tax return says that you're broke. You may have a nice car and all different stuff. So that's my point is like, in the entrepreneur world, dude, it's like, I understand you want to go be this, whatever this business that you want, you want to go be a fitness instructor. But the reason you're becoming a fitness instructor is because you want to make money. Well, to make money, you'd have to understand how it works first. And they avoid how it works first, what so they mean, only go after this. But what do you mean? I don't have to understand how it works. all that shit to yeah. figure out, hey, I trade you my time for some money. You got some money? Yeah, I'll so, give you my time. Yeah, so that's trading money for time, right? Yeah, but that's all I got to understand. I don't have to understand how it all works to make it. Yeah, you have to understand how the game Not of- to make it. To, to, define make it. What do you mean by make it? 
make sure you're talking about the same thing to make, make it. it. How do you how do you make money? I don't need to know how to invest it and how it all works in order to make it. You said if you you can't make it unless you know unless you know how it works. Yeah, I'm saying you can't create wealth. But there's but there's people making it. They don't know shit. That's why they that's why they blow it. Like for example, Mike Which Tyson. Is keeping it right. Like yeah. For example, Mike Tyson. So you know how to he create used, it. He used to be far more wealthy. Yes or no? Oh, dude. He, I think I think I read an article. But he didn't four hundred eighty-six million dollars. Did he? Exactly. He didn't understand money. So he didn't need it to make it. He might need it to keep to it. To keep it. That, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. You have to know how to how to how it to, to actually create wealth, right? Mike Tyson could create it in the sense of he was a boxer that made four hundred eighty-six million dollars. You don't need much to create. That's easy. Just pick pick your pick your vehicle, whatever your vehicle right. is. You can right? be an idiot and create. Yeah, you can be an idiot and create stuff because you can you can you can Mike Tyson, right? right. Greatest fighter of all time, or at least arguably, right? I'd say so. I would say so. I would never want to, you know. But but then it's the difference between knowing how to create money and then know how to keep money. And the wealthy I've mastered is how to keep money. Sure, just like businesses come in, they sit there and tell me, "Oh, we're doing fifty million. Yeah. I'm like, "Damn, dude, right. how much you spending? Fifty two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I've been there too, dickhead. I know where you're at, bitch. Yeah. You're just broke at another level. Exactly. That's all so, it is, bro. So so at the end of the day, it's like, how much are you keeping? You know, how much are you? really making to yeah. me is how much do you keep and that's why when people say oh i'm rich i always go dude i ain't freaking rich right i'm still playing the game why because i'm growing and i'm expanding and i'm using money because if you don't use your money you take it there you go well then you're limiting your yep. ability to grow and expand because money's just a tool money's the fuel yeah if, if i've got thousands of gallons but I'm, I'm allowing myself a half gallon a day right well then i'm only going a half fucking mile a day yeah Okay, so money's so got to be moved, right? right? That's so, what I talking so about. So earlier we were talking about it, like 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 entrepreneurs are afraid of money. They don't want to ex- they don't want to say I, w- I need money, I want money, I'm doing this for money. They don't want to focus on money, right? They want to act like it's all. Well, I'm just trying to help the community by providing a better service. Well, then then go start up, a five hundred one c three. You're trying to make some coin. Exactly. Then go start a five hundred one c three if that's what you're really trying to go do. But but they they come across and this is my point with 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 like these small startup entrepreneurs is they come across trying to be like hey i, I just want to my business is about fitness and i want to i want to revolutionize you know everybody's the obesity in america yeah it's like okay but actually you want to make money cuz you're actually charging me for it yeah well it's like someone wanting to start a movement or have one yeah two different things right yeah two yeah. Two, two very different things <laughs> so one's one's starting a movement getting everybody excited and fired up and aware and mm-hmm. one's taking a dump yeah so you gotta learn how to. To me, when it comes to money, you gotta learn how to. As an entrepreneur, you gotta learn how to create it, keep it, and then protect it. Wealthy people have mastered how to protect their money. You know what I mean? They mastered the ability of of how to make sure their money is always protected at all times. Keeping it. You go back to keeping it for a second. It's like you go in the political world right now. We're in the politics right now, and of what's going to happen in 2020 and so forth. Well, obviously, whoever gets in office, it changes the direction of finances of of different things that will pass and not pass. Understanding of how to keep money is understand how to structure your money in a way that, for the most part, is kind of irrelevant of who's in office because of how you have your money structured inside of different accounts. So that's what I say. We're talking about keeping money. Uh, that's the that's the angles that I'm talking about. The wealthy are very very good at, and then lastly, the wealthy are great at, at protecting it. They know how to keep that money in a certain different types of accounts that are protected from any type of thing. They know how to invest out of certain vehicles that will allow them to not even be sued. Because of the vehicle that they're investing out of, what do you some think, crazy shit, dude. What do you think the masses want to learn more? How to make it, how to keep it, or how to protect it? The the general answer is always going to be how to create it, but it's, it's worthless unless you can keep it. So, 
I would tell you now you see, have to learn how to see, keep it now first. See, dude, I disagree with that. Why <laughs> is that? You, well, I, I, you do have a valid point. Yeah, because, I, I, dude, I think, if you I think keep it, point. it's worth less. Like if you keep your money, it doesn't do shit. It's just a, it's just a monetary unit. You have to use it to have value. So if you keep it, yeah, it's worthless. Yeah, when I, we're talking about the same thing. I'm mean, just different lingo here. When I say keep it, I'm meaning making sure that if you if you made in your example, you, your revenue was fifty million, you knew how, and, and that was your that was. And a, I'd get rid of it right. quick. I wouldn't keep it. Why? Because yes. I want to turn that fifty million into fifty nine. Into million. multiplying it right and, and making it I'd go get again. Get rid of it. Like Correct. I wouldn't keep it. That's the movement part of money that I talk about. That if you if that revenue is so fifty million, the keeping it come in. Is that the keeping a, is on more more about on the tax structure side of understanding keeping how, more of it, keeping more from of it, the government. Yeah, keeping more of it, ah, knowing how see? to keep that money see, from the government. Slight, because see, I should relook at your sales program. Because your biggest thing <laughs> is understanding. Like right now, like I, I do my class all the time. I say, look, what's the five tax free accounts that wealthy people use to invest out of homes. And, and no, because there's a, a massive taxes. And what's amazing is in the classroom, here you have all these entrepreneurs that are all trying to start start businesses and make money. But if I just simply asked a simple question, said, okay, but tell me, just, just at least name me the, the accounts. Yeah, they wouldn't know. They can't name them, dude. They dude, can't. And I that's can't, the point. I can't name them. I need to go to your damn class. That's the point. And as you get higher into this game of, of understanding how the game of real money is being played, there's accounts that you can invest out of that are freaking tax free accounts that can protect you from even being sued. Like I own companies through different tax-free vehicles that can pay me 100% tax-free and I cannot be sued out of it. You can't sue me. So if that company got sued... They pay you tax-free or they loan you tax-free? No, no, pay. It's my money. Hmm. Pay me out of it. Hmm. So it's just what? understanding these freaking one percenters of the world, how they're structuring their investments and how they're playing that and game. you them all. Dude, that's, I've made a living out of studying what the hell they do because nobody in my family or network or circle knew it. And once I kind of started breaking those codes, dude, is where my whole business completely, it went from me making money to me being wealthy. Yeah, that was so, a difference. So now that's what money is. It teaches people all that. It teaches people how, how the real game of money is played. The, you're, you're not playing a to... game of entrepreneurship. You're playing a game of money. You can, you can, this is my opinion. You can facade it in your, in calling it entrepreneurship. The game is money. The entrepreneurship is just the vehicle. I think, I think money's the score. Yeah, so a lot of people say that money's a score. Yeah, money, money. Is I say a, that money is the game. I think money is the me, is is the measuring stick for talent and yeah. and, and effort because effort that again, if you have it. a billion dollars, dude, you're obviously more something than everybody else. Yeah, so that that's using money as the measuring stick. And what I'm saying is, I think if you just keep boiling that thing down, when you really find out about it, entrepreneurs, the true game is money. Sure, I agree. The vehicle can be a thousand different things. What what the mistake they make is they hyper-focus on the vehicle, and that's not the game. The game is money. That's how you're keeping score. What you're fo- Well, not you, but what people focus on is, let me talk about this blah, blah, blah app I'm creating. And it's like, dude, the reason you're trying to create this app is because you're wanting to have, understand money. So to me, the game is always money. And I just think we have a problem at calling it what it is. So it's like my whole freaking movement is just, dude, call it what it is. If you want to be for charity, then go create a five hundred one c three. Don't charge me. Oh, but you want to charge me? Okay, well, so then it is about money. I, I've True. interviewed people. I'm not going to name but, drop but, here. But then again, so is church, isn't it? I'm not. I mean, you could go down the road of, of the church side of it, right? When that they are I, the five hundred one c three. I always look at it from a bunch of angles because it's. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But then you have to apply it around, and that means like when. When the church says, "Hey, you got to give us ten percent," it's like, is that is that really what the church is about? Is it about money? Well, no, that's not about money. Well, why do you got to give ten percent? Why can't you just why can't you just feel free to do so? And by the way, you should. By the way, 
Because if you're because if you're if you're faith based and you don't tithe, yeah, and that's a difference. You're I mean, foolish. That's, that's like because well, not only that, but that's the deal. Like you give and you'll get tenfold in return. Well, shit, I'd be giving eighty percent <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah, and that's the difference of the faith bases. The faith base is going into a uh, religion of what what rules commandments do I have to obey? You know, unique thing about the the Bible that a lot of people don't freaking talk about is they use it a lot of times as a whipping post that says the money is the root of all evil or the love of money is the root of all evil. Uniquely enough. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the number one topic, if you just talk about the, the topics inside of a Bible, the number one topic inside of a Bible is talked about. You know what it is? Money. 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 It's not anything else. The number one topic is money. Yet, it's kind of warped into money's evil. It's how, how, it's how humans, humans that don't have money kind of use that as their scapegoat. Does that make don't, sense? Don't you think common sense tells you a lack of money is evil? You would think so. Well, that's what causes the evil. Yeah. Like if I have a bunch of money, I'm not taking yours. I'm not mad at you. I'm not pissed. Jealousy. I'm not grumpy. But take my money away. I'm about to take yours, bitch. Yeah. Who, who, who the fuck do you think you are? And all of a sudden now, there's evil in yeah. the air. There's envy. That The whole mm-hmm. mood changes when, the, when there's a lack of money. Yeah. It's like, dude, fill up everybody's bank. It's not going to solve the world, but it will solve a lot. Yeah, I'll bet you there's a lot more happier people if their bank accounts were filled because the money pressure wouldn't be there. Like sometimes, dude, it's like whether your payroll's five million or 50 million, dude, sometimes it's like, oh, shit, that company got close to not making payroll. You know how many times I've almost not fucking paid payroll? Mm hmm. What's that make you feel like? Well, dude, to me, didn't make me feel like anything. That's how I started. (laughs) Like I started. I felt like that when I started. So guess what? It wasn't new to me. Yep. So guess what? Oh, we're a little bit low. Damn, better get out and sell something. Whee! But like that's mo- that entrepreneur side though. Yeah, but most people would be thinking, "Oh my god." And yeah. they and they and they'd collapse and right. they and they'd quit making moves. I'm like, "Dude, is there money in that account?" Well, then I got moves to make. Yep. You got like, it, bro. You know? That's it, dude. Well, dude, slow down on the free lunch Fridays. We're trying to hire a new <laughs> hire a new such and such. Okay, well then maybe I stop giving f- lunches on Fridays and I Put that money over towards a new ad campaign. Yeah. Well, the only reason I do that is one reason. The money I have, it's it's made to be used. It has to that's be. what I should sign out there. Money is to be used because On that's the sign. Money is well, money is worthless. A hundred percent. Listen, money is worthless until and when you spend it. Yep. It has I, no actual I, value, I, if right? If I just gave you a hundred million dollars cash right. at your house and I right. said, dude, don't spend it. And I left. I just, you, I, I just put a burden in. You, 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 you. What are you doing with this yeah. paper? Get it out of here. Yep. I'll be like, no, it's, it's money, dude. It's value. I'm going to put it in your house. You're going to go, no. Number one, I'm in liability. Now people know it's here. They can come try to steal it. Now my family's in danger. Right. Right. If I can't use it, dude, get it the hell out of here. Right. I so, agree so if someone can just <clears throat> get that in their head, and they're an upcoming entrepreneur or person. Of any kind, because again, there's people with money in the bank, but they won't spend it. Yeah. There's people with money in the bank and they're like, I better hold on to this in case things get rough. You know, things are going to get rough if you keep holding on to that shit. That's your ability to grow. And part of it comes to, dude, it's unique because a part of it comes to the generations, that message that you're talking about. They're like, I'm afraid if something happens, I got to have it. Part of that is the generations that were, that were taught that. So it's like those that my grandparents who went through the Great Depression, 
their their message of money is a certain way, right? Which a lot of is what you're talking about. They're like, I gotta I gotta hold on to it. I gotta I gotta bury it. I gotta don't don't use it. Make sure you you, you pinch all the pennies, right? And then that went to our parents. So it went to my parents, and my parents' message became like, okay, well we got we got to pay for a house. We got to have no debt. Uh, we got we got to have no credit cards. We got, we got to own all this stuff. And and that was the message that they pumped into me. And and most people, it keeps going that line until you understand the game of money is about moving it. It's not about holding on to it. It's about as soon as you get it, if you want to keep it, you have to move it. You got to move it. You got to get. You got to find something else to put it into. Uh, and that's what that's what the big engine is creating the money over and over. I mean, think about light speed. I mean, I go to your own example, right? Yeah, but then but then but then people are afraid to borrow it too. Oh, dude, that's another huge thing. Like shit, right? dude. Anyone, anybody want to give me a hundred million dollars? I'll sign for right, it right, yeah, right now. I'll sign left hand and right hand, yeah. two pens. Yeah. <laughs> that way you want a little bit premium rate because that's a pretty good chunk of change to risk. Yeah. Go ahead, raise the rate a little. Why, dude? If I can't make money on the hundred million, I won't take it. So if you gave me a hundred million cash right now and said you want seven percent interest, I'd say deal. Yeah. The question goes: Can I make more than? Seven percent, and yes, I can. And if you if you feel like you can make more than seven percent, then why the hell are you not taking this money? If I can't, I shouldn't be in business. No, (laughs) I'd say, dude, go ahead and try to get her back. I got (laughs) I got a hundred million. I can defend myself. (laughs) And now all of a sudden you're fighting. Yeah. See, dude, I I started a new thing here at Lightspeed a while back. Yeah. We don't have contracts. Now, when I say that, we have agreements like month to month, though. Yep. Because if me and you enter into an agreement and you don't want to be in it and I don't want to be in it or both, what good is that? Dude, I'll give you two things here. Number one, when I signed up for Lightspeed and um, – When you do or did you? No, when I did. You when did I, already? I already did it. Oh, okay, good. That makes you a customer. Yeah. When Shit, I signed up for Lightspeed, I couldn't – That's a good thing. I could not believe uh, the agreement you just talked about. When the guy was telling me, he said, yeah, it's, uh, it's um, month to month. I said, yeah, but is it like a one year, two year? He said, no, no. It's a month. And he explained to me exactly what you said. I mean, your training was good. He explained to me almost verbatim what you said. What did he say? Uh, that 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 uh, uh, he doesn't feel like if you um, if you're not happy with our services, you, there's no need for us to argue and fight and and bicker about it. If you're not happy with what we promised you, then fine, you get out of it in thirty days. Yeah. Well, the, the the slogan is, if we can't keep your business. We don't deserve it. Yeah, he said that one. He said the slogan. That's it. That's yeah. the only one I've ever made up. <clears throat> and the reason why is because, dude, if I can't keep your business, dude, I don't deserve it. Like, why why, 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 why do you want to leave? Well, you're, uh, I'm un- unhappy because of this and that. I'd be like, oh, well, fix the damn problem or explain to you, well, dude, you knew. And then you're like, I don't care. I changed my mind. Oh, well, then see you later. Yep. I'm not going to fight with you. Dude, years ago, I went to my rental properties and – um I changed it from a, you know, everybody was trying to get a one-year, two-year agreement, and I went to a month-to-month basis. And it's kind of the same. This is 10 years ago. It was kind of the same thing. It's like, dude, I had these tenants that were in my house for, you know, a one-year contract, but when they were unhappy, they would start, you know, calling our office with, with 95 different items need to be. They'd almost create an issue so they could try to get out of the contract. Right. And then we were spending all this money trying to fix this stuff when there really wasn't a problem. The real issue was they needed to move. But they had to create something and then hold rent and not pay me – uh, and enforce this. So I was like, dude, just go to month to month. If they don't want to be here, let's let them go. Let's, we, we don't have to fight over this, dude. There's another customer that we can go get yeah. that wants the property, that wants our product, that can stay in it. That's my mindset. Yeah, I agree. But, but what's funny is one time a guy forced me to do a 10-year agreement. Wow. I've never had a business deal like that one before, but I make him a deal. I send him a contract. It's three years. He calls me and he says, what if in three years you change your mind? I want to raise this price. And I said, um, I don't 
don't know. Um, he goes, make that 10 years. And I said, all right, if you insist. <laughs> and he made it 10 years. Well, yeah. guess what? He sold the company four years later. Now the new owner calls me up and says they're canceling. And I look and I'm like, shit, you still got six years, <laughs> seven months. Yeah. They said, well, how do we get out of that? I said, well, this is what it costs for, for the whole thing. Why don't you just give me about that and we'll call her good. Yeah. And they went. Yeah. Ten-year so deal. So they paid in advance six years and seven months and I turned the system off. It's like, damn, dude. But these were big, big companies sure. that like a $400 million deal. Yeah. So that wasn't nothing to them. But right. at the end of the day, man, it's like. That was a, that worked against them. Ten year oh, yeah. deal. Who does ten year deals anymore? And Fear. besides that, why am I locking you into a contract? I'll tell you why. Because I'm either afraid you're going to want to leave, and I don't want you to, mm-hmm. or, <clears throat> or what? What's the or? Yeah, the, you know the 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 only you argument must be afraid that I'm going to leave. Yeah, it's the only argument you can make is like, well, I'm going to have this upfront cost. That in the contract, I'm going to recoup it over this two-year Who, contract. Me? Yeah, or a business. Right. Someone of you are listening saying, well, you know, I'm going to have this upfront cost and I'm going to recoup it over two years. That's the reason to have a contract. Yeah, they, that's what they could but be that, saying. But that's not what happens here. That's the only reason. Yeah, I mean, dude, if I'm putting up 50 grand right. to, to, to move you and you you required to do these things, I'm not putting up that 50 grand without some sort of agreement for years because maybe it takes me two to recoup. That, right. I'm not saying. That's not my situation. We're software. Yeah. You can use our software or don't. Right. Like, you don't want to use the software? Turn it off. And if you're not using it, it doesn't cost me anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, dude, I don't need a contract. Now, contracts for evaluations makes me more valuable. Yeah, Why? for sellability. Because well, yeah. I got old Adam guaranteed to pay mm-hmm. me for four more years. Right. Yeah, but guess what? If that's a fight, what's the purpose? Yeah. And, and where do contracts end up? litigation in court that's the only thing they're good for if you if you put your contract away and never look at it again you can make millions with somebody if you pulling out that contract it's because there's a discrepancy right the discrepancy is oh this should remind us what we agreed to that's that's what that is right that reminds us what we agreed to then the rest is like ethics which right which is the agreement like you you have an agreement that says this is what i'm going to do this is what you're going to do these are our no the rest is ethics like dude if, if this wording slips and it's like technically it could mean that but you know what we agreed to right i see i i don't need a contract so so to me it's like the agreement was was a no-brainer get rid of it because everybody in my space has contracts oh yeah and i'm like you know why they have contracts because when you make a deal and then they turn your shit on and then you realize oh that's very difficult or oh i didn't think that works like i thought it worked and oh i'm this isn't as easy as they said it was well now i'm gonna lock you in Oh yeah, and if you don't pay me, I'm going to ruin your credit. And people good credit, guess what? That matters. And they'll pay it. Yeah, it matters. Like the other day, I can't believe it. And by the way, someone sent it to me. They said I can help you with this, and I saw a negative, the first negative review. Oh yeah, ever in the yeah. history of the world. It was on LinkedIn, by the way, not the review, the person. So I look at the review, and it's someone took the time to look me up because they clearly knew who I was, uh-huh. but they made up a bunch of lies. Like someone, they think I'm a speaker, by the way. Someone paid me, he finally claims, he paid me $25,000 to show up. I looked around, the room wasn't big enough, so I walked out. And my staff that trails behind me um, t- 
told told them, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Lee said the room wasn't big enough. So he demanded his money back for, for months, and Lightspeed would not give him the money back, only to be told, you know, no. Wow. So Bradley is a fraudster, and he is a fraudster like you wouldn't believe he's a fraudster. If you would only believe what I'm saying, <laughs> you would know he's a fraudster. Yeah. All this shit. And I'm like, this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen, but the person saying we'll take care of this. Like we can, we can get rid of that for you. Mm. Makes me think automatically you're the motherfucker that wrote it. Yeah. So, so that's like a new scam. Apparently I write some shit about you. Pretty salacious shit. I'm accurate. Cause I studied you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I call you and say, I can get rid of that for you. Huh? And then you pay me. Well, if I got rid of it and I went away, it'd be worth paying the dude. Why? I don't know. Your reputation is kind of important. However, what if you pay them and then, oh, there's another one, then there's another one, then there's another one. Guess what? Fuck what people think. If they read that and they're stupid, go ahead. Just like grass roots or grass, glass door, whatever is that. Yeah. What's that thing? There's glass door, there's trust yeah, pilot. glass door. Who the, like, listen, glass door is great for reference. I would use it for a reference. Like, hey, let me get a reference on your company. I'm using it as a reference, man. Yeah. I wouldn't just base my whole opinion on it. Like if you base your opinion on a on a on a site that that harbors pissed off ex employees thoughts about your company to judge the company, you're an idiot. Yeah, but I think a lot of times people are using that as a escape route. I mean, in the sense of let's say that someone's going to want to do business with you, and they read this ABC review from Trustpilot, or whatever. I think a lot of times they're using that as their uh, you know, and, and talking about closing deals, they're using that as their escape route of how to get out of the deal from you, like like meaning not signed up to pay you for it. And like, yep. oh well, I went to Glassdoor and I saw <clears> that you know so and so said this and this. And it's like, dude, you don't in your whole life you don't make all these decisions in your life. Like, well, then why do you go to Disney World? Because if you go to Disney World right now, they have tons of horrible reviews. If you want to go there, but yet they'll go to Disney World to go do it. But yet there's tons of bad reviews. You go to any store you want to. I did I did a study this one time, and I pulled up all these different massive companies: Apple, you know, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, Disney World. They all have people saying like the most horrible things about them on their reviews. Yet that same person will still go use all these companies over here. I think a lot of times it's just in, in the sales side of it is what I'm referring to. Is they use that as their like loophole to try to get out of the deal. Does that make sense to you or not? move forward with you. Uh, I mean, we, we did all the time as, a, as, as, you know, being a platform salesman, the customer is always trying to find sometimes a way to get out of doing it. And they would use that as a way out. Hmm. That makes sense. Sure. It does. They're all loopholes. Folks, you guys want to go deeper with old Andrew Cordell, follow him on Instagram at Andrew Cordell. Cordell's just C O R D L E. You got it. And if you guys want to learn how to ma make, Keep and protect. Yeah. Loot. 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 The money. You go to moneyis.com and maybe, maybe come to one of his free events. You got it, brother. And you have events. Yeah, we do big events, man. And basically you just pack them in just and you show them how easy shit is. Entrepreneurs. Just yeah. entrepreneurs. That's yeah. all you're looking for. We're just entrepreneurs, You're not man. looking for an AARP member that might be semi-retired, <laughs> looking for a new home-based business. They're more than welcome to come, but probably not our clientele. Why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, if, isn't if, everybody an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, if you're saying they're just, I mean, in the sense of if you were saying they're they're retired, not wanting to do anything, we're looking for an entrepreneur that's wanting to do business, right? Somebody who's trying to launch a business, start a business, or whatever it is. Um, so if they're they're retired, not wanting to do anything, then who wouldn't want to want want to do a business? Yeah. Oh, dude, you got to think about it. I think the entrepreneurs are the are the fish running upstream. The majority of people don't want to do a business. Who? 
the majority of humans crazy don't want to do business. Yeah, crazy we look people. at them as that they're out of their minds crazy. Dude, you know what? Right now, I could literally take six months at a beach and say I'm not coming, and they still have to cut my check. Yeah. This company. Correct. There isn't a person here that's authorized to terminate me. <laughs> that's worth yeah. money yeah. to me. That's like, real secu- like That's words, actually real security. I know, but like to me, someone could say, Someone could say, well, you could go out of business, too. And, hey, you could do this and you could do I'm I'm willing to take all the risk. So when I get a call from my buddy that says, hey, mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in five years, man. I'm in town. Let's go fishing. I'm here. I don't have to look around and go, um, I think Adam's going to let me take tomorrow. Fuck Adam. Right. I'm going fishing tomorrow. Yep. And if the, Chris, then the business crashes <laughs> when I'm gone, it's that's okay. And you can rebuild it. Yeah. Don't worry about a thing, kids. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> that's to me, that's worth hundreds of thousands a year on top of what I'm making. So to me, when I took the leap in entrepreneurialism, I'm just like, dude, why? I, I can always have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see if I can build my own place of business. Yeah, dude. I mean, the security that's there, dude. I mean, most people rely on the job as their security. That's how they grow up, right? Like I have to have this job for 40 plus years and the job, and they'll work, they'll work. They're, they're, they're hired for a salary at 40 hours a week, but they'll put in 70 hours a week. In the last 30 I'm getting paid for uh, of hours that week. But they're bought into the system that that job is their security. And my my point as entrepreneur is what you just talked about is the actual only real security there is. When you actually own it and it's yours, that's the security. Working for someone else is not the security side of it. Mm-hmm. Or when it comes to the money side of it. Do you, ever, do, you ever, do you ever make a bunch of posts on Facebook or, I mean, uh, Instagram? Yeah, of course. Are you, I don't see your TikTok handle. I know. I just, I just, my company just got one going. Your company? Uh, I mean, my social media team that what does all my you? social media. Yeah. You have one? Yeah. So we just signed up for it. They, they're just starting to launch, put all my videos up there, playing around with it. Cause it, dude, it's exploding right now. The TikTok. And my yeah. guys were screaming at me for probably the last like three, 90 days. Like get a TikTok. Get a t-, and I thought it was stupid. Dude, when you say it's exploding right now, you're about along, you're way past when it exploded. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm behind in the game of TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, way, way behind. We yeah, all are. We all are. There's 15 year old kids that have more 20, followers, 30 million views because they're sitting there doing a dance that makes you look at it twice. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. dude. I, TikTok is gonna. I got a funny story about TikTok, and then I'll and then I'll shoot let it. you roll because I know you got to bounce. I told this TikTok expert, okay, tell me about TikTok. Yeah, he says, well, he's getting started to tell me, and I say, but now before you say anything, let me just I'll just tell you what I think of it first. Give you the heads up. I yeah. said, so I think it's cool, but I obviously I think it's a bunch of young people looking at looking at dances and and contests and shit. And like every time I'm looking at it, all I see are girls' butts. I see people fishing, and then I see you know hillbillies blowing shit up and crashing things. <laughs> yeah. And so he tells me, well, the way the algorithm, because apparently TikTok algorithm is so is so much more intelligent than everybody else's it will find your audience so if you want an audience of people that like fishing put up a fishing post and it will find people that want to see your shit and i'm like really so he says so when you start watching tiktok it'll it'll start sending you more of what you want and i'm like based on what And he's like well based on what's making you watch it or Mm -hmm. or engage with it and I'm like, so is that why I'm watching? Is that why I see butts <laughs> fishing and freaking hillbillies blowing shit up and crashing and shit? He's like, well, yeah, you must have interacted with that content. Yeah. So I told him myself, basically. But, hey, when I started looking at it, I'm just, all I was doing was this. 
Yeah, scrolling. Like, I'm not interacting with it at all. I'm not liking. I'm not following. I'm not doing anything. I'm just looking. But I don't know how it knows. I do like the butts. You know, when now, I, if, if, I, if I'm watching a video and there's a girl with a nice butt walking up a stair, I sit there and watch to see where's she going? What's going on? Like, you know, <laughs> who is this? Like, what? why is there a girl with a nice butt going anywhere? So I look for a minute. Yeah. It knows that. And then when there's shit getting ready to get blown up or hurt, I watch that. Why? Everybody does. It's called a train wreck. Everybody watches Everyone it. Everyone wants to see it, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was um, fishing. Fishing. So like when, when someone's going, oh, shit, oh, shit, I'm like, what did they catch? So I watch it. To see what they caught, yeah. I want to see what they caught. So, dude, it knows that I'm watching it, and even though I'm not doing anything with it, I huh. I, I literally just downloaded it. And I'm watching. Scrolling. I'm watching because I don't want to post anything until I'm sure of what I want to post. Right. Because once you post, it starts to find you a crowd no matter what, and that crowd is what you post. So if wow. I posted an ass, it's going to go find ass crowd. And now my <laughs> next post is dropping bombs. They're going to be like confused. It's like, wait a minute. I thought these were asses. I'm following this guy because I like asses too. This was ass. I want ass. I'm following. Right. Dude, be consistent, I would say, in TikTok. Be consistent in your posts and make sure that you understand it's the algorithm that matters. You know what that means? Oh, yeah. That means, dude, if you want to sell water, find thirsty people on TikTok. Because because if you if you Figure out a, a, a little TikTok thing that, that that thirsty people like for some reason, and you put it on TikTok, TikTok will find you thirsty fucking people. Uh, that's the thing right there. That's a good one, dude. And it's better than any of them, all the algorithms, yeah. because it will find your audience. So that's why if you want to be like a doll collector, okay, put doll collecting shit on there and watch. It'll find people that are interested in dolls for you. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Anyway, dude, folks, go follow Andrew Cordell. Looks like he knows his shit. He's a haberdasher. He's got on all the <laughs> dappery that you can imagine. You know, the wing tips, the cuff links, yeah. the monogram sleeves, the window pane vests, full blown suit and tie. Are you always you like it. that? Yeah, pretty much. Dude, I, I love it. Have dude. you ever? Have you ever? I used to love it. I I, I don't know Back why. When I was a junior. Yeah, the three-piece suit for me, dude, is like, it's, it's weird. my jam. It's, it, I, I, I it's weird because like right now, dude, I don't see you as as younger than me. I always see, I don't see her younger no. than me or her. I see everybody my age. Yeah, I, don't I see know you why. as my age. My wife is 31. I see her as my age. Matter of fact, I see her a little older than me because she's the mature one. <laughs> you, I don't sit here and think, man, I'm way older than you. No. I think we're the same age. But yeah. it's funny because I'm older than you. Yep. Isn't that crazy? I'm the older one now. Before, I was always the younger one. You're the godfather. Now, I'm, now I'm the older one. You're the, you're, the, you're the original gangster, man. It's crazy. But here's what it is. I had to learn the hard way, so I do the same thing, and that's why I like you. You know why? Because you're out there sharing information, waking people up. And folks, ain't that what it's all about? Anyway, go follow Andrew Cordell, folks, or go to moneyis.com and get yourself some some special sauce from yeah. Andrew Cordell. The knowledge. Appreciate you coming. Appreciate it, Brad. Thank hey, you, next man. time you're in town, come back. Yeah, for I sure. Got, I got a bunch more questions to ask you. We didn't even get started. For sure, brother. Folks, Till next time, keep it real.